Hey everybody, welcome back to Point Break Minute, where we point out the moments and break down the minutes one corona minute at a time. I'm Marin Kennedy. And I'm Jessa Lowe. I'm Rick from the Mad Max Minute. And Julia from the Mad Max Minute. Boom. Hey, Guys. welcome back. Welcome Thanks. on board the good ship Point Break. All right, uh, let's take it away, Jess. A minute forty-one. All right, so it starts with your balls are like this big, man. Said by Gromit, and he makes this motion. And Mern and I were talking earlier and trying to figure out what he meant. So, is he meaning you have to have really big balls to do this, or like you get so scared your balls shrivel up and become tiny? I don't know. What do you guys think? I think he means small. Yeah, That's, I agree. I yeah. think it's so scary and cold mm. that your balls just run away and hide. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Rather than like you would have to have big balls to start and then yeah. I think I think what makes it confusing is that he's talking about it so enthusiastically. But yeah. But it's like <laughs> He's doing a really good job, I think. I mean, it's like really like over the over the top, but I like it, like yeah. how he tells the story. Yeah, he does a great job, especially for. Uh, I mean, I don't think he's. I don't think he's a non actor, but he's not a pro. Yeah, like he's he was a surfer first and an actor second. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> and it was reminding me, like I don't know if you guys ever saw the show Rocket Power that was on Nickelodeon. That uh, sounds familiar. Does it not was sound sh- familiar to me at all. <laughs> It was, like, all about, like, being extreme and, like, it was just a bunch of kids who, like, their dad owned, like, a burger shop and they just, like, would go surfing. They had names like Twister and Squid and um, it was, like, one of my favorite shows when I was a kid. This was from the 90s, I'm assuming. Uh, Early 2000s. Early 2000s, yeah. yeah. I guess extreme was still in in vogue at that time. Yeah, and they would say things like shoebies and, like, I brought them up before, (laughs) like, um, because... This gang just so reminds me of the kids from Rocket Power, and Gromit is just a grown-up Rocket Power kid. Like, if anybody out here knows what I'm talking about, like, Squid grew up and became Gromit. So That um, sounds like a fair assessment to me. Yeah. <laughs> Squid, yeah. Squid becomes Gromit, and then Gromit evolves into uh, Widget. Yeah. So, <laughs> the evolution. Yeah. Um, and I noticed that Bodhi is being super quiet and pensive during this moment. Yeah, he's in his dark place. Yeah. And I don't know if he's thinking, like, those guys just don't know what it means to be a surfer. Like, they just live to get radical. Or if he's just in his own little world or what. But he's he's thinking about the 50-year storm. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. That's it's, where he it's is. His, it's his white whale. Yeah. I was also noticing that there's this gal hanging on to Gromit, and she is hanging on for dear life. Um, he is, like, jumping around. <laughs> like, um, yeah. Yeah. She's riding him like like a wave. Yeah, but very <laughs> awkwardly. <laughs> um, I mean, this is, I was thinking about it. Like, she doesn't have any lines. It's probably just an extra that they grabbed. Like, here, just hold on to just Bo, Je- Bo Jesse here and just uh, just hold on to him while he does whatever. And they're like, okay. And it's like a bunkin bucking bronco. Um and then Nathaniel basically jizzes a corona onto Gromit while he tells the story. Um he's well he wants the story to be as realistic as possible, so he spurts up some little beer to be yeah. the waves and 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm not not 100% sure Gromit really liked that, but he, he dealt it with it. It made for like a good storytelling I guess it helped moment. tell his story. All, all the senses are engaged. One of my notes is Nathaniel is a doofus. <laughs> he just, what a like, doofus. He just, and then like some of his later lines, he's just like, all the other gang members are kind of like cool, dangerous guys, but he just reminds me of like a dad who goes skydiving. Like, yeah, he, I think it's partly the his facial hair. To work. Yeah, yeah, he's like a dad who's trying to be cool. Yeah, yeah, he goes mountain biking with him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so there's a moment where um, they're talking about like how great a rush it is. Um. They're talking about, like, um, there's nothing that comes close to it, not even sex. And then um, Lori <laughs> Petty says, maybe that's because you're not doing it right, right, Roach. And then it gets really serious. Like, you would think <laughs> there would be, like, oh, she burned you, man. Like, oh. And like, oh. At least some laughter. Yeah, but it no gets one has a comeback dead for that. silent. And then there's eye contact. The eyebrow gets raised. I just thought that was kind of interesting that there was no like yeah. good natured ribbon or something. Um, they just made a very distinct point of them looking quietly at each other. Yeah. Well, well it's because like... it was such a sick burn. Like <laughs> was, she, was no she burned him comeback. something fierce. Like that. You have to go get some aloe for that. Come yeah. back yeah. later. You don't come back from that. That's she <laughs> laid him low, and the reason no one says anything is because they're in awe. And how amazing that burn was. And the other thing... Oh, go ahead, Julia. I was thinking that maybe she hit a little close to home. Like, do you think Roach has never had sex at all? I mean, he's got awful looking hair and no chin. So it's like totally feasible in my mind. He is probably like the least attractive of the gang. He's got like the preteen fuzz all around. (laughs) Oh, Roach. What, what I was going to say about it is that Roach um, doesn't talk very much in this movie. Like, he doesn't say very much. So I feel like this is, like, the one time I was like, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna give my point in this conversation. I'm going to, I'm gonna you know, talk about how I feel about it. And then he, she just, like, lays him low. And he's like, oh, okay, fuck you. Fine. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to go back, back to being brooding. silent. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's, it's pretty sad. Yeah. But this is the moment to... Kind of uncalled for, honestly, Tyler. Come on, Tyler. Um, Before that moment, though, they are talking about how it's the ultimate rush. That it's like a freight train pushing you forward, and if you lose it, the fish will be picking you out of the coral. And um, Lori Petty makes a point to say she's actually really kind of petty, like really petty in this moment. (laughs) You don't say. She's yeah. so petty. Um, she's like big wave writings from macho assholes with a death wish. Um, so, eh, Lori, I don't know what she's got a hook in her craw, whatever that phrase is. Like, <laughs> um, I don't know. I guess she just saw her boyfriend canoodling with somebody else. Yeah, so. I mean, she she has a different perspective. I mean, it's it's kind of been established before that she has a slightly different perspective on what this is about uh she's i mean to a certain extent they're all okay let's get into the spirit the 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 uh philosophical bullshit of this is that they're they're all looking for the ride whatever that is the ultimate the ultimate ride um but to different degrees i guess because bodhi in previous minutes talks about like well uh those other guys like uh war child and bunker they just live to get radical but 
isn't that what they're all doing? And then, but I guess it's a different kind of radical. And then Laurie Petty is talking about like, yeah, it's the, it's the ride. It's the ultimate ride, but not too dangerous. Whereas these guys, their, their definition of the ultimate ride is just a little bit further out, I guess. So. Well, like the bad guys, like, you know, the, that crew for them, it's more like drugs and adrenaline. Yeah. And like, but I mean, do you, do you think, uh, Bodie and, and Gromit and, Roach don't do drugs. Well, they might, but I feel like not to the extent or to the probably like, not like the hard drugs that the other gang's doing. You know, yeah, like I doubt they're like shooting heroin, which I would totally believe that the other guys are doing. Yeah, I feel like they'd just be like you know smoking a joint or something, and maybe other stuff. Yeah, but yeah. I don't know. Like don't Coronas. Really... Speaking yeah. of uh, of the Coronas, I wanted to bring that up as one thing where uh, there was like a, a comparison video i watched of point break and the fast and the furious which is basically a point break remake <laughs> thank you about... i was thinking that as i was watching the movie yeah it's yeah. it's you know the same plot but with cars but they were talking about like oh no it's totally different like because in uh, point break they drink coronas and then in fast and the furious they drink coronas <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's interesting the signature beer of both movies so similarities I mean, uh don't end there talk about product placement like... yeah yeah. You don't have a Corona pitch, do you, Rick? I don't. Okay. Sorry to put you on the spot there. No, see, my, my brother has negative opinions of Corona, and they've kind of bled over to me. I'm not a beer drinker to begin mm-hmm. with. I can't stand the taste. So any sort of beer product at all, I I could never try and endorse something I've never tried myself. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, uh, you're just that, um, you know... You're not going to sell out. You're not going to sell out. You're going to, you know, be honest about it. Exactly. If I'm going to endorse a product, I want to have a little bit of experience with it to know the quality or, you know, yeah, quality adjacent aspects of the product. Yeah, that you I'm don't want to give up your integrity for, for something <laughs> like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and after the totally epic sick burn, um, they're talking about how just paddling out in a big surf is a total commitment you just can't call time out if you don't like the way things are going and then they start comparing what the biggest wave is they say waimea mikaha dana point bell's beach um yeah and then bell's beach is like bodie's like no bell's Bell's beach Beach. australia and then it gets serious this is the final like you cannot this is the answer right here yeah and promises no way bells is bigger than Waimea, bro. <laughs> but so they bring up the fifty year storm. That's the start of that. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to do some research, and I know Murrin has some other research as well. Um, but I want to see what is actually the biggest wave. And wouldn't you know it, it's in Europe. Um, so the biggest record for the biggest wave ever surfed. Um, that is beneficially confirmed by the Guinness Book of World Records was written by Garrett McNamara at Nazare in Portugal. Hmm. Um, the wave was 78 feet tall and it was written in 2011 and you can see videos of him doing it. And um, when I looked up, you know, like biggest wave ridden or biggest wave surf, all I could find was really about um, Nazare or Nazara in Portugal. So that seems to be kind of like the secret across the board um number one place to go so Hmm. who would have thought yeah there you go um i was just looking at something about the the 50 year storm and um eh, it's it's a little bit technical to get into 
but uh, there was something back in uh, 2016 that was like uh, it was around uh, Hurricane Alex was uh, creating some pretty big surf. Um, but it seems like you know to go like you wouldn't be surfing that like it's you'd have he to be is. like I mean he is I guess and maybe some people do but like it's like you'd have to be so close to like and it's like 70 mile an hour winds. Mm. And uh, it just seemed like I mean I guess it is dangerous as we that's, that's as we the find whole point the of like the movie pretty yeah. much that is the point but you'd have to have like, a death wish or something <laughs> or <Yeah>. something <laughs> or maybe like find yourself faced with the possibility of going away to jail for a really long time and not being able to surf so you know you'd have to take that one last chance or something yeah. well if you yeah, want the ultimate, or you gotta pay the ultimate price yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's in the next minute I think yeah <laughs> yeah. But I just, yeah, yeah I've, it's been stuck in my head since Jay Cloyd brought it up. Yeah. And then Marini found the song. Um... Yeah, so there's another song. Um, this is Over the Edge by L.A. Guns um, the, from the album Hollywood Vampires. Wow. So if uh, is there, you have a voice for me to do, anyone? Uh, do a recitation here. I don't know. Gnarliest voice you can Not think of. Gnarliest voice? Okay. Yeah. I got the music cranking. Japanese TV. My mind is full of jasmine smoke. I can hardly breathe. Turquoise dragon slip and slide, sliding down my back. I'm standing on this cold, thin ice, and I'm about to crack. I'm over. I'm over. Over the edge. Nice. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. L.A. Guns. Another, Yet another band featured on the soundtrack that I've never heard of. Yeah. And very uh yeah that, i mean i could have been playing during that scene like lines about jasmine smoke and turquoise dragons yeah and... it's not a bad fit lyrically even though you don't hear the lyrics at all yeah honestly i don't even remember a song playing during this scene so it's it's just in the background yeah yeah anything else you guys want to say about this minute um well i was just looking at the location of bell's beach victoria down there in australia and I noticed something kind of cool. If you go about mm-hmm. half an hour south from Bell's Beach, you'll reach uh, – let me pull up my map here. You'll reach uh, Fairhaven. And Fairhaven is a little coastal town, and that's the location where they had the Rokitansky family home in Mad Max, the 1979 movie. And, uh, oh, yeah, oh, cool. so if you start off on the beach, you just take the uh, – I think it's the B-100 – South for about 30 minutes, and uh, you'll find the house. It's a private residence, so don't actually try to go anywhere. <laughs> if you, if anyone is in Australia listening to this, don't bother someone whose house is not public. Yeah. <laughs> but don't, don't do that. But a cool thing about Mad Max, that first movie, is that when Max heads out in the family car with his wife and his kid, they have a surfboard on the top of their car. So oh. it tells me that someone in that family was a surfer. Maybe heading and, to Bell's Beach. And, and I really get a kick out of the fact that uh, by the end of this movie, your main character is in Australia and he's got a bad D. And that's exactly like our main character of Mad oh, Max. He was a wow. guy in Australia with a bad knee. Wow. There's so much crossover. That's, that's yeah. real yeah. something there, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> I, was, I was, you know... I, I had like the the gang names as my connection to Mad Max, but there's a that's a very yeah. uh, that's an interesting parallel, yeah. Yeah, and you know the the real, not the real, but like the Bell's Beach in the movie is actually filmed in Oregon, um, but 
the waves themselves, I think, might have been the actual Bell's Beach. Or no, those it, were those that were was Waimea. Waimea. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. Frankenstein cut of a scene. Several different mm-hmm. locations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, two, I guess. Yeah. Speaking of Waimea, I have a little anecdote. Yeah. All right. uh, my dad, who was a Samariner in the Navy, a little call back to your movie recommendation. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, and he was stationed in Hawaii for a time. And he was surfing Waimea, and got his. that's where he lost his wedding ring. Oh, no. The, oh. the waves sucked it right off of his finger. Oh, my gosh. Wow. wow. My dad has lost his glasses to uh, Hawaiian surf. Um, that's a little bit easier to come off, I guess. But he really <laughs> wow. should have taken them off before going in the waves but then he couldn't see wow but yeah a wedding ring that would yeah be... that's Oof. impressive yep <laughs> those waves are strong the ocean yeah. is a dangerous thing yes. well do you guys want to kick off our recommendations yeah um well the cool thing about surfing is that it's got a huge community in australia and there are so many movies i could recommend about surfing in Australia. I mean, you could go Morning of the Earth in 1972 or Crystal Voyager in 1973, Busting Down the Door in 2008, Storm Riders in 1982, uh, Newcastle in 2008, Puberty Blues in 1981, Stephanie in the Water from 2014. I, the list goes on and on and on. But the one that I would recommend for today is from 2013. It's a movie called Drift. And it is the story of two brothers in the 1970s that kind of have to battle the stigma against surfing to really kick off that modern surf industry that we see today. So it's kind of their story as they, you know, get to work, more or less. And it's got uh-huh. Sam Worthington in the title role. So oh. I think it's uh, Sam Worthington and I think Xavier Samuel is the co-star there. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's a couple brothers. Awesome. Nice. And you said that was 2014? Uh, 2013. 2013. Awesome. Yep, it's called Drift. Drift. Now, would you say Sam Worthington does better when he's in his native Australia? Yeah, I think <laughs> if you can take an actor and plop them in their native accent, they usually do a lot better than uh, some of his American accent offerings. For sure. <laughs> now, was he in Avatar? Exactly. Okay. Yes. Which, believe it or not, I've never seen that movie all the way yep. through. Avatar, oh. Terminator Salvation, Clash of the Titans. Yeah. Okay. He's also in, uh, there was a movie of Macbeth that he did, which I saw oh. several years ago, which uh, wasn't too bad. Play? He plays yeah. Macbeth. He was, also, uh, he was also in Hacksaw Ridge, which was directed oh, yeah. by Mel Gibson. Oh. Yeah. Another connection. That's... Yeah. And he was, in, uh, he was in Sabotage with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, yeah. That, that movie is something else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's gross. Yeah, that is a not recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's I really that's a David Ayer joint. So yeah, as much yeah. as I love Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah, Mm-mm. yeah, Mern, what's yours? Uh, my recommendation is going to be um, in the Loop, which is uh, based on oh, what's that TV series called? The I don't remember now. It's based on a British TV series about politicians and their uh you know bumbling ways it's kind of like a um but in the loop is um it's it's i actually never seen the tv series and you don't have to see it to enjoy in the loop it's like uh yeah political comedy um it's like very kind of understated 
comedy, but like the situations are very ridiculous. And um, Peter Capaldi is in it, um, and he kind of steals the show as this just horrible. Like you know, he he's the most crass person you can imagine. He just has like such a way with words. It's a beautiful thing to watch in this movie. And uh, James Gandolfini's in it uh, for a little bit, and. Um, yeah, it's just it's uh, one of my favorite comedies of the last last several years. I would say it, it was it's has a good laugh per minute ratio and uh, very enjoyable in the loop. And it's based on uh, the thick of it. The thick of it is the TV show it's based on. Yeah, and I think uh, some I think the British characters are from the TV show, but then there are also American characters in the movie that are kind of meeting them. So, yeah, in the loop. Awesome. Um, so my recommendation is going to be one that we've talked about before, um, and that is Killer Joe. And Talked about it a lot, I feel like, yeah. but I haven't, haven't actually recommended it. Yeah, so that's why I felt like it deserved an official recommendation. Um, and I came to this movie by way of actually the script for the play, um, which I love the script for the play. And the movie, I think, almost does it justice. I wouldn't say 100%, but... You know, it it almost does. Um, And it stars Matthew McConaughey as well as um, Emile Hirsch and um, uh, what's that girl's name? Um, Uh, Gina Gershon? Nope. Juno Temple? Yep. Thank you. They're both in it. Yep. They're both in it. But I always want to call Juno Temple something else. I can't. um, And and, uh, Thomas Hayden Church. Yeah. So it's got a great cast. Um, it's you know it's it's a gross movie. I will say it's it is rated <laughs> NC seventeen, but um, gross in uh, an appealing well not appealing but gross in an interesting way as opposed to sab- sabotage, which is gross in a gross a, way. No one wants to see that stuff. Um, like gross, like um, there's an infamous scene involving a chicken wing um, that oh, man. A, a sexual act performed on a chicken wing. Um, but it's about a uh, killer cop. Uh, played by Matthew McConaughey, finally in a role that, you know, he's able to put his grossness to good use. Um, And he's super slimy and super just ugh. Um, But he agrees to kill um, this super pathetic drug dealer's uh, mother um, in exchange for his young virginal sister. And Mm. um, just in exchange for the possession of her. And it's it's very similar to Blood Simple in terms of the plot, um, but it, it's a very a redneck twist to it. Um, like the tagline on the poster is a totally twisted, deep fried Texas redneck thriller. Um, trailer park murder story. Thank you. Trailer park <laughs> murder story. So there you go. Yeah, it's kind of a, a fun thriller. It's um, got got some interesting things that happen. And it's pretty disturbing. Yeah, uh, but in a in a fun way. Yeah. I guess. Um, and if you don't watch the movie, I highly recommend reading the theatrical. Uh, uh, yeah, it's a good script for the it's play. A good play and by Tracy Letts. Yeah, it's. Uh, I remember when I first watched it. It was with uh, previous guest Andrew Marcus, and I asked him like, "Does just kind of jokingly, so does Matthew McConaughey take his shirt off in this one?" And he's like, "Well, <laughs> yeah." And I saw it as you see. <laughs> he is completely naked in mm-hmm. uh, in the end. So technically, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, sounds like it was kind of an anti-recommendation, but... No, it's a good movie. <laughs> it, is, it is good. It is good. Directed by uh, Exorcist director William Friedkin. Yeah. Yeah. So awesome. So we got Drift. We got um, In, In the, the loop. loop. And Killer Joe. All right. 
Well, thank you once again, Rick and Julia, for coming on and uh, lending your Mad Maxitude to Point yeah, Break Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a joy. Thank yeah, you. we spend so much time out in the desert, it's nice to spend a little bit of time on the coast. Yeah, oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you, all of you out there, for tuning in to Minute 41, making it this far. Uh, check us out on iTunes, rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. Uh, check out our Point Break Minute listener surf shop. And you can uh, tell us uh, what beer you enjoy. Mm-hmm. Do you enjoy Corona? Do you mm-hmm. not like beer? There you go. Um, well, yeah. We'll see you next time on another Point Break Minute, bro. Woo!